You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we are joined by JJ DiGeronimo, which is one of the best surnames that I've heard ever. Uh, and we are talking about a whole range of things, um, which I'm really excited about in the conversation, actually, because there's a lot of the, the things that I talk about and have lived through and I think are really important to bring to woman um and it's it's a lot of the stuff around ego and you know why we do and think the things that we do uh that drive us and like this is going to be fascinating so JJ welcome to the show Mm, Rochelle this is so nice to join you from all the way over here to elevate and inspire and encourage women in business so thank you for the invitation yeah I'm I'm really thrilled to have you and uh, talk about this stuff because, man, it's important and it's something that I see with my clients again and again. And so I'm excited to bring this to, um, you know, just career women across the world. I, I don't think there's any difference in this space, no matter what country you're in. So I think this is going to be good. Uh, I would love to start, though, JJ, with telling us a little bit about who JJ is. Did you have a career before you got into this business? And then what brought you to where you are now? Mm, yes, very much so. So I have a degree in computer information systems, and I worked in high tech for over two decades. Most of the time was based out of Silicon Valley. So I have a lot of experience uh, of being in male dominated careers. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of work with girls in STEM. And I've been on a lot of boards for women's initiatives in the workplace. And I have to say that this was not really my aspiration, but once I started having kids in my mid thirties, I realized how hard it was to keep everything going in the right direction and how few of us, well, at least back then, you know, which was almost 20 years ago, would even talk about like the challenges and the opportunities, but also things like cheat sheets and cliff notes of how to keep everything going. Because I had a home on one side of the US, I had an office on the other, I had two young kids. And even though I had help, you know, for anyone who is juggling a young family, it's just never ending. And it's really hard for women that have aspirations in their career to kind of figure out how to really maneuver the landscape. Mm -hmm. And so that book, I never you know, I could go into all the details, but I basically published that first book and never really talked about it because I didn't want my current employer to think I wasn't taking my job seriously. And so it was funny though, because a lot of other tech companies would have women's events and ask me to come speak about the book. And I did that for about a year and a half off the side of my desk of my tech job. But I learned that a lot of women had aspirations to get promoted, get on boards, maybe change P&Ls or start something off the side of their desk. And so I documented every question they asked me at every event I went to. And I researched for three years, my next book, Accelerate Your Impact, Action-Based Strategies to Pave Your Professional Path. And I probably could have named it like Get Promoted, 
but not all, you know, I didn't know if that would go over so well. And frankly, a lot of women just want to have more influence and impact than they have today and are not necessarily chasing a title per se. So that was really amazing because it opened up an opportunity to talk about the difference of working in your career and on your career. And I really didn't know that until late in my thirties that there was a significant difference and that women actually get fewer sponsors and less PL experiences and less visibility, all of which impact if they get promoted or not. Mm-hmm. And I have to say like, that really was an amazing opportunity to shed light on why so many women are in middle management or first line managers. So that really took me into about 2016, 2017. And I have to say like, conference room, women's event, ERG group. I've been to so, so many women's like conversations and discussions. And I started to notice that a lot of women were kind of sitting outside their body. They were so in the masculine energy. We all have masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And it was really one of those things that I realized, like, even for myself, I had been driving so hard at metrics, accolades, you know, things outside my body to to define who I was, that I kind of hit a crash moment where everything around me just kind of started falling apart. And it really forced me to go on a different kind of journey, not a journey to advance my career, but a journey to really understand who I am, what I am without all the titles and salaries and awards. And why am I here? Like, what am I really supposed to be doing? And so I think that's what brought us together at this point right now. Amazing. So three books <laughs> that you've that you've birthed into the world, which is amazing in itself. Uh, and, you know, I, I love that we write about what we go through ourselves and then what we learn from others. And uh, that sounds like your journey with your with your three books. Um, I agree really wholeheartedly with women looking to accelerate their impact um, as much as or, or more than the promotion aspect of it. it. The promotion is the way to accelerate your impact for more women than it is just to get like more money. Right. Um, I I see that value coming up in women again and again around, I just want to make a difference. Is that something that you've, that you find that you've heard? Oh yes. I've researched hundreds and hundreds of women and men too, for my books. Mm -hmm. And very rarely would women have like this ideal position, unless they thought it would get them more influence and impact than they have today. And so, you know, I, when I just last time Monday, I did a keynote for 300 women and I asked them, how many of you want to have more influence and impact than you have today? And pretty consistently, it's 80% of the people in the room. Which makes me wonder what the other 20% are doing. (laughs) Uh, That's an interesting yeah, I, it's so ingrained in me that value that I that it's like foreign to me not to want it. But that's a whole other research project. Um, so the latest book is Seeking. Tell me a little bit about that. It's a it's a huge journey, and I've really enjoyed reading the book and uh, you know the way that you've laid it out and and each 
sort of chapter comes with a key finding, which I think, you know, helps my brain to remember things. Um, But how did that one come about? Mm. You know, it's funny because when I start writing, I never think I'm writing another book, I would say, but I have learned so many things along the way uh, that I feel like I need to share them to make it easier for women that are going through similar situations. And Seeking for Me was a combination of things that happened over several years where my energy was low, I was depleted, I was just not saying yes to the right things. And I really had some things happening in my personal life and in my extended family that it just felt like everything was coming down on me. And I think it was on purpose. Like I needed to hit a point where I would sit there one day and be like, okay, like I'm running at this as hard as I can. I'm doing all the right things that anybody would tell you to do in the business world, but I'm like falling apart. Like something has got to shift within well, I didn't know it was within at the time, you know, I end up at a therapist's office and she's like, okay, well, you need to go to mindfulness training. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, this is serious. That sounds foo-foo. I'm not going. A couple meetings later, she's like, okay, if you don't go to mindfulness training, like we can't even meet anymore. And I feel like she was like one of those guides in your life that pushes you right when maybe you want to go left. Yeah. And I think I could have gone left so easily. Like I talk about in the book, how I just would have like, drank too much or sabotage relationships that were important to me. And this, a series of things happened that pushed me to really kind of spend more time working on who am I and how, and you know, what do I, where do I want to throw my energy for the next decade? Because that's what we have. We have this energy, we have our time and we have our mind and like, we can use it in any combination but you really want to assign it to something that matters to you, even if it's off the side of your desk, it doesn't have to be your main job. And so seeking for me is really was how I went about aligning with more purpose and meaning both at work and at life. And um, I visited about 50 energy practitioners. I read about 50 plus books. You saw the appendix, right? I, I'm an avid researcher. So like I went at it and kept track of everything I did. And it really is a workbook for women that feel like they know there's something more for them, but they're just not sure how to tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, that's so many of us, I think at some stage of our life, we, and I was talking about this journey the other day, often we are great at school, right? We, as women, we are socialized to get good grades, to be good students. And so we do, and we get to, to college or university and we go through and get our degree or not, depending. And we come out and we start in our careers and we have this kind of view of the world that we're just going to make it because we were a good student. Um, and so we've driven and driven and driven to find that potential that we we saw in ourselves as a student or, you know, in our early twenties and we just keep not feeling like we've reached it. We keep feeling like there's that next step and that next step and that next step. And we're still seeking this untapped potential that we've got inside of us. And it's so frustrating (laughs) And, and it takes something like you said, there's something normally external that goes on that starts to break down you a little bit and you can then yes there's a left and a right and I think probably the left is eventually going to take you to the right 
but maybe a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. Um, and we get to a point where it's we have to look inside. There's nothing left but to look inside. So I yeah, love it. It is true. It is true. And you know, I I went all over and did all kinds of things. And I was just on a mission to figure out who I was. And like things were happening in my family life that I did feel alone. And I just kind of felt like the universe has kind of pulled all the rugs out underneath me because I needed that level of like inconsistency to really commit to myself. And I think it is a gift when the universe does that. So whether you lose a job, lose this loved one, you know, something happens that's unexpected. It's a way to shake you up to say, there is more for you in life. You have to dive within. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think it's that story. Um, there's the story of the dog sitting on the nail. I think for a lot of us, it, it's, um, you know, there's a, there's a dog sitting on the nail an old guy sitting on the porch and a businessman walks past and hears the dog howling because he's in pain and that happens a couple of times. He sort of ignores it. The next time he says, why is your dog howling? And the guy's like, well, he's sitting on a nail. And he's like, why doesn't he move? And he's like, well, it's not painful enough for him to want to move. And I think that happens within us, right? We're uncomfortable, not happy particularly, wanting to find this untapped potential. But often the pain's not enough until something else happens and like you said you get fired or um retrenched which is happening a lot right now uh or a, a relationship does break down or somebody passes away and all of a sudden this this massive amount of pain comes in but it launches you into something at least in my experience so far in my life launches you into something better if you're willing to go there if you're willing to to sit in that uncomfortableness and start the work that needs to take you there. Well, you say too, and we both agree on this, like life is happening for you. So if these things are happening for you, you really have two choices. You can be a victim, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And say, life is happening to me. Like, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. Can you believe this is happening? Blah, blah, blah. Or you can say, well, isn't this interesting? I wonder why this is happening for me right now. Yeah. And I think for many of us, you have to learn that shift. You have to learn to think of life as something that's happening for you. You have to have gratitude for where you are right now. And I had to learn all of that because I, as you mentioned earlier, was on such a path of producing, creating, pulling the ball across the line, like that that's what I had been always uh, people would always say, oh, good job. You're the one. We all love you on the team, this and that. And if you notice, it's like I had to do something to be like appreciated and all of that, which I think comes later in life anyways. I think especially for women, like all this stuff happens. And then one day you're like, wait a minute, what is going on here? So the book is really just an awesome way to dive through a lot of things that hope hold so many women back from leaning into what is calling them. Mm, mm, mm. So I want to pull on that thread a little more where we're talking about um, this idea of seeking more from our external world, seeking, um, you know, dry, feeling driven, feeling like this untapped potential is there and the answer is to get 
promoted and promoted and work hard and prove ourselves and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and in the book, you talk about how many women share with you that they define their self-worth by external accomplishments, accolades and recognition. And I think that's super common. Uh, and I think that it is problematic. Like it's, it's you know, that way if something goes wrong at work or whatever it is that you've decided is is defining your self-worth, then you feel that as a personal attack. You feel that you are no longer worthy and that's not a good thing. So what do you think is behind that? Uh, you know, what, what causes us, apart from what my um, thinking is so far, what causes us to get there? And then how do we start to let go of that? So what if I said that, the planet as a whole is trying to convince women that they're not good enough. Mm. What if I say that the planet is perfectly orchestrated for us to forget about our gifts, to forget about our wisdom, to forget about how powerful we really are. Mm. Wouldn't the planet create a situation that was heavily masculine in a way that it would make us check half of our knowing at the door we go through the doors and we're expected to deliver at 120% with only half of our toolkit. I believe that for centuries, we have been trained to forget how powerful we are. We have so much wisdom within. We have so much knowing. We have so much just like awareness to how to make things better. In fact, one of my favorite authors, Lynn Twist, who wrote The Soul of Money, she goes all over the planet working on rainforests and water and conservation. And she said she went to this town that was, you know, she went, took days to get there. It was in the middle of nowhere and they were running out of water. And of course the men were running the town and she was able to circle with the women, which was almost unheard of. She had circle time with the women only, and they knew where the water was. They knew where the water was, but the men wouldn't listen. And so Lynn, in her time there, was able to convince the chief that there was water and that the women knew how to get there. And it wasn't until they had this bridge that gave them the opportunity to show that they knew where the water was. And so I think we're talking about Right now, like if you're overworked, if you're depleted, if things aren't going your way, you need to lean in. But we're using that as a doorway to get in. Whatever it takes for you to trust yourself, to know you already know, to know the wisdom is within. Even though we've been taught for years, decades, centuries, that the wisdom is out, that your value is outside of your body. My seeking has brought me to find and learn and understand and now share that we have all the power we need. We have the wisdom and the gifts we need. Many of us women are sitting on the side of the pool saying, should I dive in? Am I ready? I don't know. Maybe I should. What do you think? I don't think so. I just feel like so many of us are needed at so many tables, but we're second guessing ourselves. And Seeking for Me is a book to remind women 
about how powerful they are by removing the barriers that are holding us back in a way that is keeping us in a standstill. Mm-hmm. I, I, that idea of um, feminine power is something that we've been discussing lately and how women and men see power as masculine. It's it's talked about in masculine terms and um and so we often pick up that masculine form of power, which this driven nature is, and we discount our feminine power. We don't want to, you know, like it feels weak in a way because that's what we've been brought up to to believe, right? And it's not until I think we truly allow ourselves to experience our feminine side and our feminine power that we recognize how powerful it actually is. Um, And I think I'm so glad that you're sharing that message because, you know, it's, it's entrenched in us to think that it's weakness and, and men obviously. (laughs) And so uh, we need that, that tipping point to go back probably past middle as tipping points do. And then, to recenter us on, you know, combining those those stereotypical masculine feminine energies so that we bring all of our wisdom and all of our power from all sides of us rather than so heavily skewed to one side, which is where we are now. It's so interesting. And I so agree with you. And when I was trying working on getting this book published, so many publishers are like, we can't take this book. It's not a business book and it's not a spiritual book. I'm like, it's a bridge book. It's a book for us to remember that we can use our inner knowing. We can use our connection with mother nature. We can have times where we're using the power from within to make decisions at work in a way that who talks about that? No one talks about that. No one talks about, I had one 76 year old woman I interviewed for my podcast together. We seek. And she was like, well, I use my intuition all the time. I'm like, oh, where do you use it? She goes, I will use it in the boardroom. I use it in the conference room. She goes, I just sit there and put my feet on the ground. And I'm like, tell me, like guide me, show me, teach me, bring together the lessons. And I just think so many of us have so much that we could be leveraging that would allow us to get out of this overproducing exhaustion, got to do more mindset, because I feel like it's taken all this work for me to really be like, I'm good. I'm good because the universe is bringing my next thing forward. I've been through a lot of those tower card moments. I've had a lot of things happen that have really forced me to dive in and it's worth it. Mm. It is worth all those things happening because you coming out on the other side, picking you, investing in yourself, investing in your gifts, you have no other but that is going to be so strong for you than betting on yourself, your gifts, and how you have come to the world to share your knowledge and probably alter something along your path. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we we need to me, and I talk about becoming a leader from the inside out, right? What a lot of the the trauma and the toxicity in our corporate organizations is as a result of the trauma that we bring into it as people. And yet somehow we're told to leave our peopleness at the door and become this, you know, professional persona um, as if we can truly leave our peopleness at the door. And of course we can't. And so all of that un- 
examined trauma, men and women, comes into the workplace and plays out in our boardrooms and our meetings and our teams every single day. And yet we're not talking about personal development. We're not talking about looking inside and healing, you know, old wounds. And like it, it when you think about it and you and you've come through that and you're at the other side, that seems nonsensical. Why can't well, we Esther Hicks? Yeah. Sorry, just gonna say, why can't we have a spiritual business book? It makes sense to me. Oh, it makes sense to me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. It's a, you know, there's a way to thing and you can start off the side of your desk. This is not like you got to scrap everything you've been doing, like literally start with one section in the book. You can just open to anything that calls to you because whatever calls to you is probably the work you need to be working on now. Um, But what I was going to say is that, you know, what I've learned is that everything is about energy and Esther Hicks refers to this often is what you're experiencing outside, you're experiencing inside. So if you're around a lot of naysayers, if you're around a lot of fire starters all the time, you know, it's probably because you have to up level your energy and frequency to get around people that have higher frequency and energy. And it's not always easy to do. And sometimes it's hard to even recognize when you have to do it. And and I guess that brings me to another question um, because one of the places that's difficult to do is work, right? Um, and and I I still think there are ways that you can do it at work, but sometimes you feel like you're in a team and you are on a journey of personal development and growth and your team is not. <laughs> and so as you grow, you feel more and more uncomfortable, more and more out of place. Uh, and Normally, that will result in you moving and, um, in my experience, getting a promotion. Um, but there's a gap between your growth and the results in it. So how do we how do we sort of look at those relationships in, in our workplace where we have to work with them? They may be fire starters. They may be naysayers around us and it you know makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, there's a key finding that you uh, talk about in the book, uh, and this is number 52 for those of you that get the book and read it, which I highly recommend you do. Uh, and it says relationships are designed to enhance our learnings and ultimately our journey. How does that apply in the workplace? Hmm, that's such a good question. And I can think of so many times of being at different levels, but I think the more self-work you do, like really working through your stories, understanding your ego, understanding relationships that you've had as a young child, how those might be coming forward in coworkers, because that does happen. Uh, I think the more self-work you do, the more aware you are of your energy, you don't get as you don't fumble as much with other people's energy because you realize that everybody is on their own path. And that if you just keep working on raising your energy, which I do very specifically, it's almost like a lot of that stuff will start to fade away because you will be at a certain energy that you won't even be able to associate with that energy level anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so if you're not there yet, because that's, that's been my experience too, right? It just, it no longer triggers you. And I think that's that's where when you're in the in-between times, there are lessons there for you. And, and when you are still being triggered 
quite significantly by those around you, how do we look for the lessons? How do we find them? Yeah. I mean, I often just ask myself, like, why is this triggering me? Mm. Why is this triggering me? Because it's usually, it's not usually the first occurrence, you know, it could Mm. be a teacher, a high school mate, uh, a family member, a sibling that used to poke at you in similar ways. And, you know, that's what's so great about having, you know, yoga, Reiki, meditation, acupuncture, like it really helps you work through energy that maybe you can't get rid of yourself and you just need to be part of a class or something that can help you move it. I listen to audibles all the time and I'm listening to books now that are really kind of going through energies and just kind of cleaning them out. And I think that if you really focus on raising your energy and questioning why it's poking you, I sort of think of people on the outside as characters in my play. And so they're in my play of life and they are perfectly orchestrated to create something. So if someone is just digging at you, you've got to investigate, you know, you're on a mission. Like, why is this digging at me? Oh, this reminds me of my brother's best friend that used to come house all the time and say this and do that. It doesn't matter what the story is, but you got to get under the story and release that story. And once you kind of work through that energy, it's amazing how much power you can get back. That's amazing. I I love that um, idea of, you know, you're the hero of your own movie and you're the bit players around you are all there for a reason. Like a director doesn't put a bit player in just to fill space. Um, and so you, it's like being a detective and working out why are these players around me right now? Why are they interacting with me and causing this reaction in me? Um, I've got to work this out so that I can get to the next part of the movie. Um, that's really powerful way of looking at it. I love it. Uh, JJ, that is just so much great information. I, I have so many more questions that we could talk through, but we need to start to wrap it up, unfortunately. So I want to ask you one of the questions that I ask all my guests, and that is, what do you know now that you wish you had known earlier? You know, I think I wish I would have known that I would eventually get there and that I put so much pressure on myself. I worked so many hours. I did so many things. And I think sometimes I wish I looked back and been like, what if I would have given myself a mental break? I wish I would have given myself a little bit more time off and definitely a lot more grace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a good lesson. And when I hope that everybody gets to learn, um, we have this feeling even from a young age that, that we've got to get somewhere at a particular point in time only we're not quite sure where and we're not quite sure when we just know we're not there yet <laughs> and so I love that yeah. we, we're going to get there um and so it's okay there's no yeah there's no race here it's just there's a finish line we'll find it uh mm-hmm. and it might not be the same finish line we started out towards and that's also good uh love it and then the second question is uh, what is your leadership mantra? And so I believe we all have this sort of North Star guiding mantra that we say over and over that keeps us on track. So what's yours? It's very simple. It's how can I help? Mm. How can I help? Because mm. I think leadership is about helping. It's about removing barriers. It's about creating opportunities to move information, people, 
and ideas forward. And a lot of times it's really about just being that person on the team that's running around, moving the bins around and changing the garbage cans and turning the lights on brighter and the air down low. And I think a lot of times that's leadership is creating the space for others to shine. I wish all of our leaders knew that. I really do. Uh, There's so much ego in corporate still, unfortunately. And that idea of how can I help is such a good guide for leaders. So thank you for having that as your guide, as your mantra, and for sharing that with the uh, listener today. I really appreciate it. Uh, So I will pop, we've got three books, three wonderful books to read uh, and I will pop the links for all of those in the show notes so for those of you listening you can just hit on there click on the link and you will be able to find them on the wonderful Amazon uh, and what's the best place if, if people want to know more about you and follow you JJ what's the best place to connect with you I mean I'm a LinkedIn lover so I've been on LinkedIn for a long time and I think from a business perspective it's the easiest way to connect with me I answer emails and connections all day long on there. So LinkedIn under JJ D. Geronimo. Beautiful. I will pop that link in the show notes as well. JJ, this has been fun. Uh, I could honestly talk about this stuff all day because it just speaks to my soul. So I appreciate you bringing this to the listener and uh, hopefully they will start to take action, read your books and have much to do. Uh, And I, yeah, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thanks for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you want to continue the conversation about today's topic or anything to do with being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You'll find the link to join in the show notes as well as the links to connect with today's wonderful guest. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you'll know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others to find the show. And I would really appreciate that. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.